Welcome to Parenting Teens with Dr. Cam, a podcast about navigating adolescence without losing our minds. Each week, I guide you around the teenage landmines with practical tips, simple solutions, and words of encouragement. I'm your host, Dr. Cam. Let's get on with the show. Welcome parents. If you're worried about your teen and if they're sending or receiving inappropriate Snapchats, texts, and DMs, this episode is for you. According to the CDC, sexting can damage a teen's self-image, is linked to cyberbullying, increases rates of depression and other mental health issues, and may even result in felony charges. Yet this activity has become somewhat normalized, even expected among teens. Nearly 15% have sent an explicit or suggestive image or message, and one out of four teens have received one. Today, I'm joined by Christy Keating, the founder and CEO of The Heartful Parent, to discuss how to talk to our teens about consent and what to do if we discover they've been sexting. Welcome, Christy. Thank you for joining us today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. So start by sharing your brief backstory. What has inspired you to help families and help them address issues like this, like consent and sexting with their teens? Yeah. So my original um, training, my my background is as a criminal prosecutor. So um, I live just outside of Seattle and I spent almost 20 years working in our felony division of our prosecutor's office. So I handled everything from um, you know, domestic violence cases to homicides. Um, but I sort of landed and specialized ultimately in um, prosecuting sex offenders and sexually violent predators. Um, and so I got really immersed in the world of, you know, what that predatory behavior looks like. Um, and when I decided to make a career switch, I went back to school. Um, I got certified as a parent coach um, a positive discipline educator, um, and a number of other sort of parenting-related certifications, um, I had the, the opportunity to kind of put these two pieces of myself, if you will, together um, and teach parents how to address issues like consent and sexting and predatory behavior um, to keep kids safe before something happens. Yeah. Whereas in my previous career, I could only help address it after the fact, which is um, pretty dissatisfying sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I would imagine because you're like, it's already happened. And I think what I would love to talk to you about today is kind of both sides of it, right? We've got the kids that feel kind of victimized, right? Or, And I, I talk to teens who feel like this is expected of them. I'll talk to specifically mm -hmm. girls and they'll be like, well, if they're going to, I need to do this for them to like me or they're going to be upset. But I also want to address the other perspective is the kids that are requesting this and how mm -hmm. to have those discussions too. Because I think it's really important not just to protect the kids from being victimized, but let's stop kids from victimizing other kids, yeah. right? Yeah. So let's start with the first one. You have a daughter and they're on the phone and you're really worried, which every parent is, what are they doing on the phone? Right. So how do we start the conversation before we even know anything to help them know how to protect themselves when they're going to be rolling their eyes when we're trying to tell them this? Yeah. 
So I, I think there's a number of sort of groundwork pieces that we have to lay first. And I, and I want to start this by saying a lot of parents, because when we think about our kids doing this, right, sending or, or requesting sex, um, the fear bubble in us starts to rise, right? Yeah. Um, and parenting from a place of fear is not generally very effective. <laughs> and so we really have to manage ourselves first. And um, we cannot go in guns a-blazing, you know, sort of fear-mongering, threatening. Um, you're going to get a felony. You're going to get arrested. You're, you're going to ruin your life. Um, because what that sounds like to our children is want, 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 right? And they're going to yeah. shut down. Um, and we're going to get more ramped up and more fearful and they're going to shut down further um, and we're not going to get anywhere. Right. Um, so yes, it is possible in some jurisdictions that this could be, um, th that this could be felonious behavior and, and prosecuted. Although we're trying, the laws are trying to catch up with technology yeah. um, and with behavior um, so that we're not criminalizing teens for for behavior that um that is pretty developmentally appropriate yeah um you know it's different when we're talking about a teen and an adult um but between two teens there is a level of developmental appropriateness to this now that doesn't mean that it's good it doesn't mean i encourage it right. but we have to start from that place of understanding that it doesn't mean that our kids are terrible children it doesn't mean they're sex crazed it doesn't mean you know, that they've gone off the rails. Right. Um, it really is as they explore their own sexuality, which is a, also a very healthy thing to do, you know, technology has kind of given them a new and different way to do that. So if we come in and, you know, with either that sort of viewpoint that our kids are screw-ups yeah. um, or with fear, we're not going to get anywhere. So it doesn't matter what the parenting issue is. I always say to parents, we kind of have to manage ourselves first. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. So we start there. And then um, if we've got, if we're worried that our daughter, and I have a teenage daughter, um, you know, if we're worried that they are, that they might engage in this behavior, I, I think there's a few conversations that need to, to start or need to happen even before that cell phone is given to them. So if there are parents listening and they haven't yet, you know, their kids don't yet have that phone, there's some preliminary conversations. And I'm a big advocate of having a contract with our kids that just really lays out what the expectations are of their behavior. Um, now, is that, you know, foolproof? No. Um, but it, it does kind of just lay the foundation. Um, and my daughter has a contract. She just... Um, got her first internet connected phone. She had a, a gab wireless phone for a couple of years as kind of a starter phone. Um, and one of the conditions of course, is we don't send or request nude photos of anybody. Um, when kids first have phones, I also think it's really, really important for parents to utilize all of the parental controls and all of the monitoring software that they can. Um, and do that for a couple of years because, you know, we should think about using a phone a little bit like driving a car, mm. which is you would not just put your child in the front seat of the car 
and send them on their way saying, oh, well, you've watched me drive for years. Right. <laughs> right. Right. In the same way, we should not be saying, oh, well, you've watched me use my phone for years. So here you go. Yeah. Right. There really is, has to be a learning process and a, a teaching process to that that includes um, that placing parental controls and monitoring their behavior initially. And I hear a lot of parents say, but that invades their privacy. Yes, it might. Um, there are ways to do it that are a little less invasive. Um, but again, it's a teaching, you know, we're teaching them. Right. Um, and that teaching and that, that understanding that we might see or look at what they're doing I think is more important than utter privacy. As we've told my daughter, if you want total privacy, write it in a journal. <laughs> right? yeah. What you do. Well, I don't, even growing up, I don't know if that was so private either. <laughs> well, and some parents take it and give view on that, so, right? Right. But part of that is because our kids also need to understand and we need to explain to them that nothing that they put on a digital platform is private. Yeah. There are crazy. a million different ways for whatever they're writing, saying, sending, photographing, et cetera, to be transmitted to someone else accidentally, on purpose. Um, and so that's a good, you know, place to start with the reminder that nothing on there is private. You know, a friend could get a hold of their phone, playing a joke or whatever, scroll through the photos and see something that they're not supposed to see or see a text message. Um, and so that's sort of one thing that we, you know, one place to start with in reminding them. Yeah. Um, and then I think the next place that we have to go is not directly to sexting, but having a lot of conversations about what does a healthy relationship look like? Mm, yeah. What, you know, what, um, what does it look like when two people respect one another, treat each other well, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and coupled with that, what does consent mean and how do we say no? And a lot of times with the information that we give to our children is, well, just don't do it. Just yeah. say no. Right. right. As if we, it's that easy. As if it's that exactly. Right. Um, and we all, I mean, if we think back to our teenage years or our young adult years, like it's not that easy. Um, our older adult years. It's not <laughs> right? that, I mean, seriously. Right. 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 And especially as women or young girls, you know, in our culture still, we are still taught to be nice, to not make waves, to get along and to not say yeah. no. Uh -huh. Right. And so that's even that's if that's not the messaging that our kids are getting at home, they are absolutely getting that message out in the world. Yeah. So we can't just say, oh, don't do it. I feel like I cut you off. Did you have a no, question? No, no. I, I wanted to kind of just jump on that a little bit because I think it's so important that we do say this message of saying no, but we don't often allow our kids to say no to us. Yeah. So we are teaching them, no matter how much we say it's important to say no, we're teaching them the absolute obvious, ob opposite if we're not giving them a voice at home to stand up for what they believe in. That's right. And I see that a lot. We shut them down, shut them down, but then expect them to somehow know how to do it. So 100%. it has to start at home with allowing them a voice, not disrespectful, but giving them a voice 
to counter what we have to say sometimes. That's right. That's absolutely right. And one of the key places that we need to give them a voice is on, it involves their bodies, right? So um, my teenage daughter is not a super touchy-feely person. I love to hug and snuggle her, Um, but we have an agreement. I will ask, can I give you a hug? Are you in a mood for a hug right now? You know, are you... um, you know, can I snuggle with you? Like at night, I will sometimes go into her bedroom. She asks me to come in and meditate with her. Um, and at the end, I love to like, just kind of lie down and snuggle her. Um, but I, but I always ask. And if she says, no, mom, I'm really not, I'm not feeling it right now. Um, as much as that feels like, you know, little stabs to my heart, because I remember when she was five and that wasn't, you know, that wasn't an issue. It wasn't an issue then. Right. I still have to say, okay. All right, sweets have, you know, sleep well, see you in the morning. So you're right. We do have to give them permission to say no and not just to body stuff, but that's a good place to start. Um, and then one of my favorite things to do with teens is not just say, well, tell them no, but run scripts with them, like give them practice. You know, if I sex, you know, if I sent you a, a text message saying, Hey girl, like send me a picture of your, you know, your breasts. And that's not the word that a teen would use, but right. um, yeah, they'd be like, mom, that's not going to happen. Right. Um, we need to help them figure out what they can say in response and still feel, uh, you know, like they're cool or that they're still yeah. maintaining it. You know, the other thing that I think is really important to mention, and you gave some statistics at the beginning of the show. of kids have um, uh, sent a text, you know, a sex message. One out of four has has received one. I think we need to flip those statistics around for our kids. Because what that means is that 85% of kids, and for our parents, right? Mm -hmm. 85% of kids haven't. Right. Three quarters of kids haven't. Right. Much bigger number. It's a much bigger number. And so that's not to say that this hap- you know, doesn't happen or isn't common, but we have to remind them because our kids will be like, well, everybody's doing it. Right. No, yeah. <laughs> everybody isn't doing it. Everybody isn't doing it. Um, and I think that can be really impactful for them to hear the reverse numbers. Not when we sit down and lecture them, because, again, we're not going to lecture. Right. Nope. We're just going to share little information. And one way we can do that is with public service announcements over text, right? Hey, PSA from mom, did you know that 85% of teens aren't sexting? (laughs) And that's kind of like all you need to say. Like um, we can share these little snippets of information in sort of funny and fun ways with them that will be much more impactful than, oh my God, you're going to get a felony. Yeah. You know? Yep. I think it's also, you know, one of the things I talk about with parents a lot is it's really important to get it from their perspective. Because I think from our perspective, we're like, bad, 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 bad. Just don't do it. Right. And we're not looking at it from their perspective of, well, I feel pressured to do it. I'm worried Mm -hmm. they're not going to like me. I'm right. I like the attention that it gets me. And so Mm -hmm. if we just say, well, that's don't do it, and we don't address those needs, we're not helping them. 
That's because right. Because we're, we're just setting the shame cycle up, but we're not actually giving them the tools or the understanding of how do they go about feeling like they're not going to upset somebody? How do they go about feeling like, and you talked about the relationship, like really understanding what a good relationship is mm -hmm. and what kids would expect in a good relationship and a respectful, mm -hmm. healthy relationship. And I think that's really important because if we don't address from their perspective, we're, we're not giving them any information that they're going to utilize. That is so well said because, um, you know, with all behavior that our kids engage in, whether they're toddlers or teenagers, we really have to look at what the belief behind the behavior is. And that's what's happening in that moment is a belief that this is how they can belong. This is how they feel significant in their world. And so if we're not addressing that, those underlying beliefs and, and causes for the behavior, we're not going to get anywhere with them, right? So we kind of need to tackle it from both ways. So like at the beginning, I said, we should have a contract. We should. That lays sort of a, a, an understanding out of what, you know, what we're going to do, what we're not going to do. Um, but that isn't really a, addressing those beliefs nope. underneath the behavior. So we need to approach and, and tackle those as well. And, you know, I will, teens will sometimes say, well, I'm in a, you know, I'm dating this person. I'm in a committed relationship yeah. with them. Um, and this is what they want me to do. And so that can go in two different directions. One, which is I'm afraid they won't keep dating me if I don't do it. And that's where we can touch on that healthy, unhealthy relationship dynamics, right? If somebody won't keep dating you because you won't send nude pictures over the internet, then that's not somebody that's really worth dating. Yeah. But we can't use those words in talking to our teens, right? We can't be no, like, oh, Jesse, you have a better breakup, right? Yeah, they won't believe you. They'll be like, right. And And then the other, you know, potential way that that could go is, no, this is fully consensual. This is something that we both want to do. We love each other, et cetera, et cetera. And maybe they do. Um, and we have to help them understand that nothing on the internet is private yeah. and even if we totally trust that other person we may not trust all of their friends yeah. who might get that their parents might see it right there's a whole number of other people that could distribute that even if we say okay fine we know you trust that person and we know as adults that that's not a reliable thing, right? right? But even if we give them the benefit of the doubt and say, okay, understand that you trust so-and-so. And what if their little brother got a hold of that or, you know, their best friend or their dad or whoever, um, you know, what would happen then? And one of the ways that we can, we can sort of engage in this conversation with them when we find them in a willing place is sort of let's play that scenario out like let's see what would happen if you sent that naked picture to so-and-so or even in not necessarily naked but just a very sexually revealing photograph um you know if you send that to so-and-so and then their little brother got a hold of it like let's play that out what could what could happen there yeah. um you know and Again, we don't want to go to that fear place, but we do want to help them evaluate the risks and the consequences. Yeah. And I think it's really important in that conversation that we're not telling them what could happen. We're just asking them and letting yeah. them 
play it out because that has a lot more salient feeling to it than us telling. Yeah. Now, Christy, I want to take some time because I feel like we often, at least I do, spend a lot of time protecting, because I have a teen daughter too, protecting the possible victims. What I think is lacking is the prevention of kids asking that. We do a yes. lot of like, don't dress sexy because you're going to be getting the bad attention. Don't be doing this because you're, but we're failing to address why that is. So raising kids and, you know, mainly boys at this point, right? But not just, I don't want to just classify that, but how do we help our kids and have the conversations with our kids that helps them learn how to have a respectful relationship, despite the fact that, like you said, they've got the hormones, they've got the curiosity, mm -hmm. they've got the tools, there's pornography that is easily accessible, and that resets their expectations and what they've, they've normalized. How do we have that discussion? Yeah, it's a really good question. And I actually think parents are the missing key to, um, to stopping you know, what, what has been deemed rape culture, right? Yeah, exactly. And we're not doing it, frankly, because we're, we, um, most of us as parents did not grow up in homes where sex was talked about in very open ways or in very positive ways, right? Again, there was, there's been a lot of fear mongering and shame inducing yes. stuff about all the bad things. Um, and we've never stopped to talk about the fact that with our kids because it feels uncomfortable and we when we feel uncomfortable as parents we yeah. shut down right we we often don't stop and talk about the fact that sex can and frankly should be a wonderful part of a healthy committed relationship and depending on family values you can talk about within marriage or or not but um but i you know i think if we all stop and think and like just get out of our own heads and think about our kids growing up into adults, we'd like them to have healthy, loving relationships with fun, healthy sex being a part of that. Right. It's hard when I you're know. looking at your 14-year-old. Yeah. I think know. It, it, it kind of like weirds you out, but I always find it interesting that we'll let our kids watch people kill one another, but yes. we're uncomfortable with them seeing people sexually involved or even like, <laughs> yes. like I feel like that's a little backwards kind of but that's the way totally our culture agree. is right so uh, yeah. how do we have these discussions with our kids that despite the fact that we're uncomfortable and they're uncomfortable but we have to have them we how do. do we do this with our with our kids so that they're they're understanding but not shaming them yeah so first things first like i said when we were talking about the other scenario we got to get out of our own heads we got to manage our own stuff and so, you know, we may have um, baggage around this. We may have our own history of sexual trauma around this. Um, you know, that's not uncommon for parents. And so we have to like stop and think about, the, we're not talking about our sex, sexual history. We're just talking about this in a generic way right. and remembering that end goal, right? The end goal being healthy, safe kids in loving, healthy relationships. Um, and if we can keep that in the back of our heads at all times, it sort of opens up space to have some of these difficult conversations. And then I think the most important conversation that we can have with our children, whether they are, you know, regardless of gender, is 
to talk about consent and what that really looks like and um, not no means no, because that is inadequate. And I don't even like yes means yes. I think that gets us closer to the mark. But what I think we really want to be driving home for kids is what I call the gold standard for consent, which is that um, it needs to be ongoing. Um, and there's a, an uh, acronym that I created for this called the Omegas of Consent. So it's ongoing and mutually desired between enthusiastic and informed partners, and that it is given freely at an acceptable or legal age by partners who are of sober body and sound mind. Mm. Now that's a mouthful, but the idea there is, look, they are sober. They are an appropriate age. They are enthusiastic, willing participants. And when we think about what happens in sexting, a lot of times there's a coercion and a convincing. Come on, just do it. Please, everybody's doing it. You know, Jared got pictures from his girlfriend. Why won't you send me pictures? If you really loved me, yeah. Right. If you really loved me, that is a, yeah. Um, and what we have to teach our children is that, that once the, that type of language comes in, consent is gone. It is no, right? And so when we phrase it in that way and say, you are now violating someone's consent, yeah. right? Because when we, that, that will hit home for most kids. When we coerce someone or convince someone to do something, it's no longer mutually desired between enthusiastic and informed partners. And so really talking about like none of our, I shouldn't say none, but I, but I will, because I really think the overwhelming majority of our kids have no desire to just to be considered a rapist, right? Yeah, I don't think many do. No. Um, I think it's the very rare one out yeah, there, right? Yeah, I don't know um, <laughs> if there's even, yeah. If they're there at all. Um, nobody wants to be thought of in that way. And, and what we have to help our kids do is connect the dots, right? Yeah. Because w- what we often think about as rape is the guy jumping out of the bushes and grabbing a young woman and raping her. Right. Or you know, in my generation, like the silence of the lambs, like somebody jumping out of the, the white creepy van and right. That's what we think of as rape. And what we forget to teach our kids is that rape happens every day between teens and young adults um, who think they're doing that. They're engaging in behavior. That's okay. Yeah. And they push it too far or they don't get consent or they, um, convince or coerce somebody and that can lead them in to what legally would be considered rape. Yeah. No child wants to, to do that. Right. And so if we can stop and say, look, when you start convincing, whether it's in an actual physical interaction or over text message, when you get into the point where you are coercing, convincing, begging, pleading, saying, if you loved me, you would, that is what you're doing is disregarding or not getting consent. Right. And that's a really risky slope. You know, that's a, that's a slippery slope. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think what we have to do is appeal to the humanity and 
to the their best selves because teens are, they want to be good. They want to do well, they right? Do. And then we have to give them language for when they are rejected. Yeah, because that's a big one. again, we, we sit, we tell girls to say no, but we don't tell them how to do it. We tell boys and I'm, I'm being general in my genders here, yeah. but you know, we say, well, accept no, if you get it, but we don't tell them how to understand, oh, how to do that yeah. gracefully. There's embarrassment. There's frustration. They're yes. like, oh my gosh, my friends are what's yeah. Yeah. So here's my favorite line to teach okay, good. kids. I'm so glad you told me I would never want to do anything that made you uncomfortable. Hmm. Or I'm so glad you told me I would never want you to do something you didn't want to do. Yeah. Right. And if that doesn't like make you the best catch on campus, I don't know what does. <laughs> right. I mean, a, a, a young woman. And again, we're being, I'm being very heteronormative here, yeah. but That's so right. one partner who heard that from the other partner, I think that would build trust and um, affection and might actually ultimately lead to a healthy relationship in a way that pushing through never will. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really big. And, and Chrissy, I like that you're really focusing on not just saying what not to do, because I think we get very focused on what not to do. And let's just be real. Kids know what not to do. Yeah. I mean, they do. And so they're not doing it because they don't know. They don't, right. They're doing it because they don't know what else to do. Right. They don't know what how to how to reflect that, and so they get stuck in these moments. And I hear this from kids all the time. And so it is not about what not to do; it's about how to give them the tools, and the and the words and the things on what to do when they're in that situation. Yes, that's the yes. key, and that's what we forget a lot of the time. We do, and so we, you know we've got to ask. That's why we've got to ask questions. What what's hard? And some kids will open up more than others. I know that. Um, but again, the more um, question-based our conversations are and less lecture-based, the further we're going to get. Yeah. The, the final piece that I think is really critical to mention, and I'll just mention it briefly because I know we don't have a ton of time. We also need to talk to our children about pornography. Yes. And you mentioned this at the beginning. Um, it, is, it is prolific. It makes up an entire one-third of what is on the internet. Mm -hmm. um, teenagers are one of the biggest uh, consumers of pornography, even though they are not legally supposed to be viewing that. Um, and it, it's actually having really profound effects on their understanding of um, sex and bodies and relationships. And so we have to counter that to some degree. Um, and, and what is so, so important is to help our children think through the idea that often consent is not involved in the scenarios that we see in pornography, right. like most of the time it's not there, yeah. um, and that what they are seeing, and we can discourage them and we can say all the reasons why we don't want them watching it, you know, and I, I hope that we can agree, because we can disagree as to whether or not pornography is appropriate for adults to watch, right? Some people will say, yes, it's fine. Some people will say, no, it's absolutely not fine that's a, that's an agree, a disagreement that either way it with. changes the wiring in our brain. It does. But I think what we all need to kind of agree on is it's not appropriate for kids right. and teenagers are still kids, right? Their brains aren't fully developed till at least age 25. And some research is showing even later yeah. for boys. And so it is impacting the wiring and we really have to drive home the message that that's not normal 
That's not what sex looks like in a normal, healthy, loving relationship. That's fantasy. That's make-believe just in the same way that, you know, any other movie that we might watch is fantasy and make-believe. Yeah, it's kind of the equivalent of the shoot 'em up movies, right? Yeah. yeah. It is kind of that far. And I think talking about it, and I, we often will go to shame as a way to get them away from it. And I think that is a really dangerous road because we don't end up shaming them about porn. We shame them about their own sexuality. That's right. And that can right. lead them even in, down even darker paths, right? Yes. And so we really want to be careful with the shaming as a, as a tool. And it's more about curiosity and understanding and saying it's, we get it. Like we understand, of course, Yes. we all go through these phases of really discovering our sexuality. And there's a lot of ways to do that. And there's healthier ways to do that. It's not, don't do it. It's, this is not the best way to do it. Right. Yeah. So I think again, if we give our kids a safe outlet rather than saying don't, and then they're they're going to just find their own ways, which is porn. But if we just say, let's find other ways and let's have the discussions, let's understand that. I think we're going to help them develop a much healthier understanding of their own sexuality. For sure. For sure. I mean, I think overall as a culture, we'd be so much better off if we could divorce sex from shame. Yeah. Wouldn't that? You know? That's but a long way to go. I that's think. a long, we've got a long way to yeah, go on that we've got one. a long way to yeah. go on that one. Yeah. But, um, and, and I think that's why porn is so popular because mm-hmm. people go undercover, for, yeah. you know, they, yeah. they do that. Um, so Christy, thank you so much for being here. How do people find you? Yeah. So the best place to find me is, um, I'm on Facebook and Instagram at the Heartful Parent, uh, collective, but the best place to, to find me and there's a free download is that is just to go to my website, theheartfulparent.com. Um, and there's a great resource there that parents can download for free um, that helps them work through a process of solving pretty much any challenge that might come up with their with their um, kids or teens. Um, it's a four-step process called outside the box parenting. And I think that would be really valuable to parents who are trying to have some of these conversations and work through some of these challenges, but I love that. feel stuck. Yeah. Well, I'll put the link in the show notes and make sure so people can find that. Perfect. And before we go, any parting words or what is like the one main takeaway you want parents to have from this episode? The, I think the one main takeaway, um, that I would say is we got to get out of our own way, manage ourselves so that we can have these conversations with our kids. Um, because the worst thing that we can do for them is to not talk. Yeah. Yeah. Fear, fear can be paralyzing and that's probably our worst enemy as a parent. Yes. Yes, it is. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Christy. I'm so grateful you could join us today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This has been a fun conversation. Absolutely. It has been. And thank you, parents, for taking time out of your busy day to spend with us. I really appreciate you, too. And if you want to learn more about how to help your teens thrive, you can grab my top 10 secrets of raising teens at askdrcam.com slash parenting tips. Until next time, have a peaceful, positive, calm day. And that's a wrap. Thanks for joining me today on Parenting Teens with Dr. Cam. Make sure to visit my website, www.askdrcam.com, 
where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Stitcher, or via RSS, so you'll never miss a show again. While you're at it, if you found value in this episode, I'd appreciate a rating on iTunes, and hey, why not share it with a friend too? Be sure to tune in to my next episode. And remember, parenting teens may not be easy, but with my help, it can be a whole lot easier than this.